0: Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. Welcome to Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio.
1: Is I been walking, I saw sand there. I'm on the side
0: Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. This morning I am joined by two great guys who I've got to know a whole lot better over the last couple days. I met them a couple years ago and uh, talking about Corey and Charlie from a company called Steelhead Outdoors. Uh, They make modular safes, gun safes, vaults. For any size, any dimension, any space, highest quality you can imagine, they will customize it in so many ways, and they're made 100% right here in the United States of America, most specifically made in Minnesota. Uh, And so I've been working with them to get some new safes and vaults installed in our new office building, and they said, well, how about we just come out and install these for you? I'm like, well, uh, that sounds good to me. Uh, so as I got to know him over the last few, you know, probably the last six months, really, uh, talking to him a lot and realizing I got to make some decisions about colors, about styles, about size, how many guns, horizontal versus vertical shelves. Uh, I'm like, these guys have it dialed in. So I said, while you're out here, what do you say we do a podcast? Because you both love to hunt, and you left very promising engineering careers, or at least scaled back in those engineering careers, to do something that is your passion, that you wanted to build a business about providing a better solution. And I'll let them explain it, but anyhow... Corey and Charlie are here, and we're going to have this this discussion. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. I think it'll, any of you who are wondering about starting a business in an outdoor space, uh, this will be a good example for you. Especially from two guys who come from long hunting traditions like they do, uh, you'll you'll get a feel for uh, what you're up for. And, uh, besides that, they're just all around good guys. But before we do that, we want to thank Leupold for making this podcast possible. Uh, go to leupold.com, check out all the great optics they have and thank them. Um, hopefully you'll thank them with your purchase, uh, of scopes, observation, optics, you name it. Range finders, uh, they just do amazing stuff for conservation, for shooting. All the things that are important to us are important to them. So loophole.com go check them out. Uh, Nosler uh, Ammunition, they are just, I think they're slowly getting caught up they've been running 24/7 for so long. Uh, but they're slowly getting ahead, slowly getting ahead. Uh, but go to Nosler.com, check out all the great hunting ammo stuff we use, E-tips, acubons, partitions, all that stuff. It's all out there. Great family owned company based in Bend, Oregon. Gotta love them. Uh, mystery ranch backpacks, uh, Alex from Mystery Ranch was just over here at our shop here about three hours ago and uh, had a chance to talk to him. uh, And we're working on some prototyping stuff with them. But if you want to save 10% on one of those amazing Mystery Ranch backpacks that we've been using forever, uh, go to GoHunt.com. Go to their gear shop. And in their gear shop, when you check out with a Mystery Ranch in in your cart, and a whole lot and pretty much most of the other things, not all, but most of the other things in your cart, checking out with promo code Randy is going to save you 10%. So go do that. Our buddy Corey Jacobson, his university of elk hunting course, he's given all of you a promo code Randy discount. Uh, I think it's 20 bucks off his course. Uh, it's elk season And there's just so much information out there. We're doing a bunch of modules and chapters for them uh, related to rifle elk hunting. Uh, But go out there, uh, go to elk101.com, click on the university course, uh, save some money there. Um, In the last couple of weeks, you've heard about the new platform that we have launched called Fresh Tracks Plus. Uh, the reason it's called Fresh Tracks Plus is because it's Fresh Tracks plus so much more. And you pay for content either with your time by sitting through a whole bunch of ads. And also you're probably paying with some of your personal information and some of your privacy. Or if you're like me and you get tired of that and you say, I, I'm tired of this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go, I wanna just pay with money. This is I'm gonna do this small subscription fee And I'm not going to have to sit through ads. I've got better things to do with my time. I'm not going to have my privacy and my personal information used as the currency. Well, you don't have to worry about any of that at Fresh Tracks Plus. It's been two years in the making, but it is now live. And uh, we hope that as you see all the new features, all the new content, exclusive content, live streams, season nine of Fresh Tracks is already out there. Uh, and we're going to start rolling out season 10 as we get them done and turned around. We've already been on two trips this year. Um, so if you, if you appreciate your own time and respect your own privacy, the way that we do, uh, maybe that's of interest to you. So go to freshtracks.tv and that'll be there for you to check out. Um, and then. Our good friends I go hunt, right? With the insider for years we've talked about all the amazing features, but then along comes maps. A year ago they added desktop maps. And now this year they've added the mobile maps. We're talking like real 3D, all kinds of features, amazing stuff, all part of the same price, no added cost. So your Insider subscription has stayed the same forever as they add more value, more value, more value, just like what you heard on the most recent podcast with them. It's all about improving the value proposition. Go out to GoHunt.com, sign up for the Insider. You're going to get all the things of the past, the drawing odds, the, you name it, the research articles. But now you get both desktop maps and you get mobile maps. So when you do that, use promo code Randy and they're going to give you a $50 gift card in their gear shop so with all that charlie and Corey are looking at me like randy you just spent six minutes laying out the intro to this podcast and telling who makes it possible let's get on with the program would you really they're not saying that they're too nice of guys but uh i'm gonna hit the button here and when i do that uh the two great guys from steelhead outdoors are going to be here to tell the story about their company the products they make uh maybe we'll get a few hunting stories in there uh and go from there so appreciate y'all being here hope you're doing well and uh, hope you're gearing up for one heck of a great hunting season here we go hey folks we're randy newberg here with another episode of leopold's hunt talk radio today i have Two guys who came out to Bozeman, Montana from the motherland of Minnesota. Can I say that, guys? Yeah, absolutely. All right. With me are Corey and Charlie from Steelhead Outdoors. Uh, we just moved into our new office building here. I'm in town for three days, and the contractor said I'll try to have it done. So we're here for three days, and in one of those days, Charlie and Corey show up here and installed. Three amazing modular safes to protect all of our worldly valuables. I mean, we got a lot of stuff we want besides firearms and and ammo. We got footage. We got hard drives. We we got all. When you see what goes in that that ammo vault you built, it won't just be ammo. So appreciate you guys coming out and doing it. It's great. We appreciate you having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Love the new facility. Yeah. Well, wait till I send you a bill. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting to get a bill from you guys. Well, No, well, it's our pleasure. Really? Absolutely. Oh, you can't do that. I mean, this this coffee I bought you this morning isn't going to cut it. It's pretty good. Yeah? The Daily Coffee Bar in Bozeman, Montana has the best scones in the world. The coffee is pretty darn good. It's not as good as Elkhorn coffee that we get from the Elkhorn coffee roasters here. They have the Big Hank blend that is like... The one that we worked on, I'm kind of partial to that. So, what is that one? Medium roast? Dark, dark. Yeah, I'm I'm like a dark roast guy, but the, it's kind of contradictory. Did you know that light roast have more caffeine in it than dark roast? Really? I yep. did not know that.
2: Yep. most people think the opposite. <clears throat>
0: and the coffee people say if you like dark roast, you also like your bacon really crispy. <laughs>
2: that makes sense, I suppose. I kind of like it medium yeah. bacon, medium coffee oh i i like it's correct i like my bacon fried and burned and then burn
0: it again (laughs) that's i I like it that way too absolutely but charlie doesn't like coffee
2: no monster yeah he's sitting there drinking a monster energy drink i need my caffeine this morning that's how him and dale became best friends
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, they're referring to dale our camera guy who filmed these guys all day yesterday how do you feel about that Having a camera in your face all day.
2: It was great. Until the end of the day, I realized that my mic was on all day. So I was Mm -hmm. like, man, those editors are going to (laughs) have a few (laughs) candid moments on their hands. And
1: I was a sweaty mess. And I'm Uh, going, oh, boy. Well, it looks like you're working hard that way, Charlie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow,
0: the reason that I have these guys here and on this podcast is multifold. I met them, uh, when was it? February of 2020? Yes, At the sir. Pheasant Fest in Minneapolis. Absolutely. that was. You guys said that was your first big trade show when you guys said, all right, let's do a trade show? First yep. trade show, yeah. Really? And Pre-pandemic. Yeah, It was, yeah. I mean, I remember being there, and the, the word was coming out about the pandemic showing up on the West Coast. And I'm thinking, huh, I wonder if they're going to have Pheasant Fest. Well, they did. Hmm? I went there. I went to a hockey game. They lost to the Rangers like six to two or something. Mm. I'm like, I can't believe that I paid for these premium <laughs> hockey because if I'm in a town that has a hockey game, I go to it. The state of hockey, Minnesota. Yeah. So when I go back there, if there's a home hockey game, I'm going to that. So that I thought that was going to be the highlight of Pheasant Fest, and then they just got the. I mean, not only did they thump them, they mopped up the corners with them. Even. It was like, the Rangers of all teams. But you guys can't beat them. God. Oh, well. And then I got tangled up with you guys.
2: Yeah, it was our first ever show. And at that point, like we talked about yesterday, we were sold like two safes total. And you stopped by and said, hey. And we said, you know, we'd love to work with you in the future if it, if it works out. And you said, sounds great. Yeah. And then you didn't hear from me again. <laughs> what? What a flake!
0: That Newberg guy. He's he's out to lunch, man. But no, it just takes that much time for us to to do anything. Sorry
2: about that. It's all good. Uh, no hindsight. It's great timing. Well, oh yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah. just because well, we're, we're bigger, we're better, we're stronger, we're faster. You know, yeah. and, and it allows. The timing allowed us to get some more custom stuff figured out. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So you guys are engineers by training. Is that the deal? Yep. Yep. So we met at our very first job. We both were working um, design engineering and automotive aftermarket products and then kind of diverged our paths. Charlie
1: focused pretty much solely on manufacturing, right? Manufacturing operations just kind of gravitated towards the the people side Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, in the process,
2: and then I ended up sort of gravitating towards um, project management, the business side of things. After I left that first job, and then um, Charlie always had bugged me, I want to start my own business someday, be my own boss. And I always said, "What would you want those kind of headaches for? You are crazy. Yeah, just find the right job that makes you happy, and life will be good." And Mm -hmm. little did I know, five years later. I would come to the same conclusion and call them up and said, remember when you said you want to start a business? <laughs> How about we talk about that again?
1: Corey and I work very good together. We, we complimented each other very well at the first job, and it was, um, you know, the things that he's good at, I'm not, and vice versa. And so mm-hmm. I was always giving him a hard time. Like, I want to start a business. Let's look, let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. W- what are we going to do? Right. Yeah. You know, that was the...
0: So how, how did you guys decide on modular gun safes of the highest quality like you guys do now? I mean, was that, there's got to be, that that wasn't just, you're sitting around having breakfast and, you know, at the Perkins and all of a sudden you say, hey, let's do modular gun safes. No. So
1: I'm glad you asked. It, it, it's part of the family. Okay. And that's the big thing. So we started. Both Corey and I started our families, right? Got married and we both have uh, kids on the way Uh and we're hunters, right? And so I have my hunting apparel and all my guns and everything in an oak cabinet that I made in basic woodworking in high school, right? Ninth grade. Right. Yeah. yeah, Going, that's cool, but I'm going to have a little one running around now. So I need, I should lock my stuff up, right? That's the right thing to do. And- Lo and behold, Corey and his wife are having a little one too, and mm. so we're both in the market for safes at the time.
2: And we kind of started like shopping for safes together, and just sort of being like, "Man, what 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 should a guy buy with all huh. these choices? Great. The it's... ones that are secure are hard to move, and the ones that you can move easily are not that secure. Yeah. And what we figured out that there's a couple other people making these kind of breakdown safes, but there wasn't like you said, one of the highest quality that was made in America and had fire insulation system in it. So let's,
1: well, you're an engineer and I'm an engineering technology. Like, let's, we can do this. Like, really? right out. Yeah. not? He looked
0: at it and said, we could make one. Yeah.
1: Let's make one. Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> I mean.
2: An accountant would never say that. Right. Well, <laughs> well, Charlie grew up, he's been welding since he was like eight or 10 and I grew up on a farm. My grandpa's a welder. My dad's a mechanic. So that's how we always approached all of our problems. If you need something and it's not there, you just build it. You know, you modify your truck to do what you want it to do. If the hay baler breaks, you weld it back
1: together. So. <laughs> now we're not a bunch of uh, farm boys here right i mean it's uh you guys kind of are i mean if we
0: had the video rolling (laughs) right now if this wasn't just audio they'd say man those guys look like farm boys from the midwest Oh, my dad says we're sophisticated rednecks There's that's that's like a higher level i my my dad had a lot of terminology for me because i Well, he told me I was the world's worst logger, so you better go to college, son. I don't know how you're going to pay for it, but you aren't going to make it in logging. So your dads are probably saying the same thing, you know, get off the farm and, you know, go go do something other than fix farming equipment every day. When I was 12, I
1: told my dad I wanted to build a go-kart. And my dad, you know, he, he had a table saw and did some woodwork and stuff, but never welded. And he goes, well, we could maybe make a go kart out of wood. And I'm like, not that. No, I want to do one out of metal. <laughs> well, welding's expensive. So, well, so we drove down to the local hardware store, and they had a welder there for $600. Yeah. Come home, and my dad goes, "You can use the lawnmower. You can mow all the neighbors' lawns, whatever. You make enough money to pay for half that welder, I'll meet you halfway on it." Uh huh. End of that summer. I had 300 bucks to my name. <laughs> and a welder, bud. And a welder. So dad and I split the cost of the welder, and kind of the rest is history, you know, as far as it was cool, you know, yeah, and yeah. that's what I wanted. And my dad said, go go get it, okay. you know, earn it. And like I said, he met me halfway and bought a welder and started welding just anything I could get my hands on, right? And it kind of just spiraled from there, um, just or snowballed effectively, just, huh it's that's kind of where my welding and, and the, the itch to get into the metal fabrication and get the creative juices flowing started is mowing lines when i was 12 <laughs> you know that's crazy see on my mom's my on my dad's side
0: they're all loggers and miners on my mom's side her dad was a machinist and welder all of her brothers were welders and certified welders and then you got me. I'm kind of like, am I even part of this family? I'm not a logger. My brother took over the logging business, which you guys know to be a farmer, a logger, a rancher, you got to be a really good mechanic. Okay? Yeah, it's not an option. <laughs> that, that's the other part where I failed. Is I, I know enough to get by, and I purposefully don't let my wife know but I can fix things. (laughs) And if I got to fix something on the fly, I tell the crew, if you guys tell my wife, you're fired. (laughs) Because that will raise her expectations. Right now, my wife's expectations of me are so low that I have all the time in the world to hunt and fish. You know what they call that?
2: What? Dumb like a fox.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So when my brother comes out from Minnesota, he's like the handyman. I mean, he, he can fix anything. He built his own house. Well, wow. well, when he comes out, my wife's got this whole punch list of things. Oh, Jason, <laughs> um, you know, your brother Randy is such a nitwit. This has been, he, he hasn't fixed this for the last eight years. And Jason was like, well, I can fix that in about three minutes. I'm like, yeah, that's that's my Perfect. brother right there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so that's how you guys got into welding. But how did you decide, I mean... I, I, so we're getting a little feel here of, well, we, you're shopping for gun safes. Mm-hmm. But that's, this isn't something when you decide we're going to make this our careers, we're going to invest all this money, all of our time, work for free for however many years trying to make it a business. That's not something you just pull out of thin air. There
1: must have been some research and some process. Absolutely. We spent many, many years, uh, nights, weekends, weekends, uh, The wives and uh, kids, you know, it's like I said, it's a family affair Mm -hmm. and that everybody's got to be in on the deal because nights, weekends, that kind of stuff. We spent a lot of, a lot of hours behind the computer research and Mm -hmm. design and then cut, grind, weld, throw it in the scrap bin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the primary
2: benefit of a modular safe is that you can move it yourself, right? So we didn't even arrive at that correctly the first time around. So we're like, hey, if you can move the panels individually, we should make the safe as big as humanly possible, right? Mm-hmm. So the first prototype we made was as big as you could fit on a 5x10 sheet. We could both stand <laughs> in it. There's a picture of us standing in it. In the safe, yes. Yeah, the door was five feet wide and oh. six and a half feet tall and we couldn't even move any of the panels it would take six yeah. guys to move them we uh, assembled
1: it in the shop with a forklift you know yeah. cuz it was in the <laughs> shop but how would you yeah it was And just then crazy. we said well <clears throat> duh we need to make it so two
2: people can move every panel and yeah. then that's how we started down the path that led us to to uf really yeah huh what, 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 what this first prototype
1: you built how many years ago was that uh it's
2: 2016 right
1: yep. five yep. years ago
2: yeah
1: wow and that actual safe all the panels from that safe are now the tabletops for a lot of our um, tables in the shop <laughs> yeah we just cautious. took the panels and broke it down because they were they're huge yeah, you know? yeah. well so, the, a safe
2: what did you say five feet wide Six yeah and a half yeah feet the tall? door was was almost five feet wide it was just enough to cut to trim the edges off a five-foot sheet Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are doing this. Where are you getting your raw material at this point when you're just prototyping and this really isn't? Yeah, so we're, we're coal manufacturing through a local laser shop. So they're actually procuring the raw material and then cutting the shapes for us that we design. Okay. And then that, it makes it a little bit easier and still giving local jobs. Yeah.
1: So everything that you guys do right now is made right there in Minnesota. Yes, we do everything in Shakopee and Prior Lake, Minnesota, so... Really? Absolutely everything. From the design hmm? to the laser cut, press brake, um, welding, powder coating, everything is local guys. It's wow. it's pretty cool. That and is cool. A lot of the guys that we work with, um at our coat manufacturer, they just get very excited about the different colors and the you know, where's this one going? And everybody gets pretty excited about it yeah
2: so
0: i mean when you guys sent me the swatches of what the finishes could be i'm like how can
2: you come up with this many options is it (laughs) is that normal that there's that many options in in our industry yeah no not at all um that's what we like i said we're kind of figuring some of this stuff out as we go and we learned that people have. We've had a tremendous response to people being able to customize things, even mm-hmm. little things like the colors. Right. A lot of the companies they have the original Henry Ford model. You can have any color you want, as long and as it's black. black. Yeah. Yeah. And we, like the one guy, we sent him all these swatches, and him and his wife were going over them, and he goes, "Ah, these are a little too gray, and these are a little too dark. We need something in between." And I told him, I don't know why I told him this. I said, let me, let me have my wife look at him. I'm not, I don't have a good eye for color.
1: <laughs> and then
2: I sent him to him and he ends up writing us a thank you letter. And he thanked my wife. And I showed it to her and she goes, what the heck did I do? And I was what? like, well, you picked a couple colors. She goes, I don't even remember that. So <laughs> he remembers though. And yeah. the fact is that the customers appreciate the extra care of that mm-hmm. process.
1: Cool. So we started out with like three colors is kind of where Corey and I, you know, looked at the, all the color swatches and go, hey, this is going to be our, bread and butter yeah and then we kind of took a step back and well there's 162 color variations here but then what about this 162 color very vari- <laughs> and before you know it we have yeah 350 350 color yeah. options yeah know, and- that's too many for an accountant
0: <laughs> <It's> too <laughs> yeah. many for most people uh, you need to give me like three and usually I'll pick the one in the, what's a, 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 accountants are into symmetry, kind of like engineers, so I'll pick the one in the middle. <laughs> that works too. So it was this lock, how you laid them <laughs> out when I sent
2: them on your desk?
0: Uh, actually, I took them home. You'd mailed me that package and I took them home and I showed my wife and she's like, well, You'll like this color. (laughs) Kind of like you sometimes, when you've been married for 33 years, they say, well, you'll like it because we go to a Mexican restaurant and I'm not a Mexican food person. You know, I've been thrown in jail in Mexico. So I just have an aversion to Mexican food as a lingering problem to that. And so she'll say, she'll look at the menu and say, you'll like this. Mm -hmm. So that's what she did with the color swatches. She said, over time, you'll like this. Okay, and now look, I didn't even know it fit the wall colors and everything. The architect who designed the interior of the building, this this is an accountant, so you guys will get a kick out of this. The building right next door, that the same builder built, same architect built. I said, well, go in there and look at those finishes and stuff and let us know, you know, what quality, what everything. I came back and said, I want everything the same. I want the same color, the same carpet, the same paint, the same cabinets, everything. It took me 20 minutes to decide all the interior finishes on this building. <laughs> that would have been a
2: process if you didn't have that I model
0: office to look at. Yeah. And the, Kira, the architect, is like, are you for real? I'm like, Kira, you've known me for a long time. I'm for real. That's what I want. She's like, whoa. Okay. Contractor calls me are you sure about this? Because we're getting ready to order everything. I'm like, well, you should know the price, right? You just put it in the building next door. Oh yeah, we got it spec to the penny. I'm like, that's what an accountant wants. Nope. <laughs> I mean, my crew's going to bang these walls up and put holes in them and drill holes in them, you know, write on them with markers and stuff. I mean, it doesn't matter. So I'm proud to say that we did not put the first hole in the wall putting those nah, in. I, uh, you guys were very
2: careful yeah i couldn't believe it the, uh, how much does one of those panels weigh 60 70 pounds uh the so you got two sizes of safe the bigger yep. one you got that thing weighs 600 pounds once it's all assembled right the door is the heaviest panel and it weighs about 175 pounds Really? Yep. So that's still manageable by two people as long as you ate your Wheaties in the morning. Yeah. And you're not an accountant who drives a desk for a living. Yeah. And and it takes three accountants (laughs) to do that. And then you lift with your back. No,
0: just kidding. You (laughs) lift with your legs. So you you guys are going down this path. So you build your first prototype. And uh, is it entering your mind that, boy, we really love to hunt. This will get us in the hunting space. And nobody told you that when you get a business in the hunting space, that means you don't get to hunt much anymore.
2: Right. Yep. Uh, no, no one told us No that. one told you no. that. No. Oh, okay. no. I met some cool guys already that like to hunt. Um, the one guy that helped us out with some projects, he always is asking me, oh, I got the Saturday I have free. Do you want to go duck hunting? And I'm always like, I can't I have to work. <laughs> so <laughs> he's like, you're too busy. You got, you got to settle down a little bit. And I said, someday, someday, Rob.
1: You know, it's just you know nights weekends it's it's the grind and yeah. that's part of the venture though too but um this isn't uh we want to be hunting every day we, uh, we would love to be yeah. but we also got to get the work done right mm-hmm.
2: you well, know how that, that goes randy oh and
0: i know exactly how it goes i in my cpa life back when I was doing that, I had a CPA practice with some partners and we had another company that administered qualified retirement plans. So if you have a 401k plan at your employer, there's a tax return that has to be filed with it. And there's all this compliance with the department of labor and stuff. No accounting firms like to do that. And I said, well, we can do that. And, uh, we'd have all of our work done by about June 1st for the year. But from December 1st to June 1st, my wife is just like, can you at least go to dinner on Friday? I haven't seen you all week. Well, I've come home and go to bed. I know, but you, <laughs> it's the classic small business thing, right? right. Yep. You, you, every, you said it, Corey, everybody's all in, the family's all in, and this dream that a lot of people have of, oh, I want to start a company or worse yet i want to start a company in the hunting space and hunt all the time that usually goes the other direction right and and, i mean for me when all my work was done by june 1st i gave me june through the end of november to goof off that's the only reason i became a cpa was i looked at that calendar and said you know what there's nothing going on in hunting season Sign me up for that. I don't think I could have done what you guys did. Well, first of all, I don't have any mechanical aptitude, uh, but just the fact that I chose my career based on how much I was going to get to hunt. So, but, but now here you are, right? You guys are in it. You're selling safes. You're building these modular safes. You're learning what the customer wants. You're doing all this custom stuff. You guys were telling me yesterday... A big part of what you're doing is people like custom panel the uh, safe doors, is it? Yep. And yeah. You, so you you go from this monster safe like this Shaquille O'Neal Wilt Cham- Chamberlain safe to now you're making them whatever size, whatever dimensions is necessary to fit in whatever space the customer has.
1: Absolutely. And we've got the, the vault doors. Yeah. That's, that's been a very popular thing and it's... We're just coming out with them now, but it's it's got a lot of safety features on it too, where it's actually like a safe door so you can lock yourself into it um, effectively. And you, you can what? So yeah. if all of us knew the combination, uh-huh. hypothetically, and uh, I'm running from you guys, I can type the combo in, get into that vault door, behind the vault door, close it, and I can lock you guys out. Um, so you can't come in and get me right yeah and then (laughs) there's an emergency
2: release and a panic room lock on the inside oh really oh for that oh yeah yeah. i
1: thought you
0: were joking i'm like oh no i thought maybe like when the bill collector comes or something you're running hide (laughs) you could use it for
2: that right but uh our thing is we didn't want to just try to make me two products so a couple people were asking about vault doors and i kept asking we kept asking them what's not on the market that you want to see on the market and usually they would say well i kind of like this vault door that's already out there and i would say well We probably can't help you then someday, Mm -hmm. but maybe not right now. And then um, we did a a custom safe for a guy that needed it to go down a 20-inch hallway. And I he asked the same thing: Can I get a vault door? I said, Well, what what's not out there that you're looking for? And he said, Well, my hallway's too narrow, so it needs to be custom vault door, and no one wants to do custom projects. And I want it to match my safe exactly. And I said, Someone finally gave us a reason why that we can't talk them out of. So we'll build one. And then so we started designing. Great.
1: Design, yep. design, design. Yeah. And build all these safety features into it while we're at it. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. Right? We're at the, it doesn't cost anything to you know, run the mouse behind the computer screen, right? You can your do a time. lot of cut, mm-hmm. grind, and weld on the computer screen a lot quicker than you can in real life. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and we've got an awesome product there.
0: Mm-hmm. So fun. you guys are designing, uh, you, with your engineering backgrounds, you guys are designing these. This isn't like, yep. oh, this is what we have. If this doesn't fit,
1: too bad. No, we, we can, we're designing it, yep. start to finish. And
2: that, that's the reason why the vault doors aren't even on the website yet, because we have never built two frames the same. People say, uh-huh. oh, I have a wall that's this thick, or I need it to attach this way. Right. So everyone's been different. So there's just a little form submission page that says, hey, we can build you a vault door, you know, type your email address and a couple sentences in here and let's get started. Let's have a phone consult, send us some pictures, we can get rolling. So the vault door is always the front of, they have a walk-in vault, or they
1: have... Some type of security room, or um, it could be under a staircase, or a hidden room. Um, mm-hmm. yep. There's right. there's something going on behind that door. Right. <laughs> no, I know a lot of people have hidden doors, or hidden vaults
0: behind a door. It just looks like a closet door, mm-hmm. yep. and you open it, and oh, there's the combination, and the everything else
2: the super cool part about the vault rooms is especially if you're building a house from mm-hmm. scratch and you're you're doing block work in the basement it's really not very much more money to have them take a corner and put two more walls on it yep. leave a door opening it's it doesn't cost much when you're paying for the, the concrete guy to be there already anyways yeah then when he's done you can get your vault door installed and you have a, as many guns safe as you want and then when you look at what a quality Gun safe or set of gun safes would cost that would hold 50, 60, 100 guns. Yeah. The vault room starts to look super affordable. Yeah. So I go down to
0: the big box store here, and they have the sale, you know, oh, here's, buy this whatever safe. And you go in there, and it's like, you know, you give me a pry bar and a long enough cheater, I can probably pry that door open. I can probably and so I look at it like, say, okay, yeah, it'll probably keep my three-year-old from getting into it, but most people who have evil intentions aren't three-year-olds. Mm-hmm, uh, right. They're coming into your house to, to get something else. Um, and I don't know what, you know, I look at how flimsy the steel is, and I have one of these at home, because being the tightwad accountant back in my earlier day what's the saying, buy once, cry once, Yeah, you know, do it right the first time. Well, I didn't do it right the first time. Uh, It's got a broken lock Mm -hmm. or I think it's broken. And no one can figure out how to open it. Even at one time, the the combination worked, but it doesn't anymore. So anytime I got someone at the house who has has gun safes, I'm like, can you try to get this lock to work? And so I bought once and I'm crying then. And now I... I get to talk to you guys.
2: Mm -hmm. And whenever we talk about gun safes and gun safety, I always like to preface it by saying that's that's step one. Just make sure that your guns are safe from people who shouldn't get to them. And if your budget only allows a trigger lock that's free at your local sheriff's Mm department, do that. If it's a gun cabinet that you made in shop class, do that. But you kind of have a responsibility and often in many states, a legal responsibility to just make sure that, you know, some kids aren't going to accidentally get their hands on your, your hunting rifles or your sporting rifles. And um, it's not even like if you have kids in your own house, it's like your nieces and nephews might stop over or right. your kids might know gun safety, but their friends might stop over after school. So it's just super important to us. And so to do what you can, and if, if what you can do is to buy, like you said, the top quality uh, modular safe, then we're here for you. But if not, then just be safe. Yeah. Well, when, you know, the person who is just looking for the
0: minimum, go down to the big box store and do that. I mean, you guys, the quality of the product you guys put together is significant. And that's, I mean, I wish people could come and walk through and see what you guys installed here. It's its going to be one, you know, we've got all the taxidermy ready to come in here. Those will, you know, people will walk and look at those, but, I bet you one of the conversation pieces will be where did you get these things
1: absolutely that's huh. the the big thing is it's hard to convey that on pictures or the Video. website yeah. it, it's it's hard, but yeah. once you actually put your hands on it, you know swing the door yeah. that's what makes the big difference i mean you can tell when you're when you physically touch it, it's a quality piece, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, well, and
0: yesterday's, yesterday you guys were walking me through all the little things of why this is the way it is or why that's the way it is. And, you know, to an accountant, it's like, yeah, that looks really, really good. Well, then you guys are talking about how you recess the door a little bit so that no one can get a pry bar or something in there and how your hinges are the way they are and how you use the trick that they use in bank vaults on the back of the door near where the hinges are so that you can't remove the hinges and pull the door out because of the way it's designed it it wouldn't come out right and, i mean all these little things that you guys have put into that if i didn't know better i'd think some engineers came up with these ideas <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> yeah. obviously accountants didn't accountants we'd be figuring out like how can we do this as cheap as possible but there's nothing nothing lightweight about that and so for someone who's interested in a modular safe You guys had all this shipped Hmm. to Montana from Minnesota. The average person, I'm below average. This is why I was explaining my low technology level when it comes to mechanical aptitude. The average person can put it together themselves.
1: Yes.
2: Of of all the safes we've shipped out in the last two years, we've only had one person fail at assembly. And uh, they were local. And Charlie drove up, helped them.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Really. He's uh, Let
2: me guess. He's either an accountant or
0: an
1: attorney. Close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doctor. Doctor. Doctor, you know. yeah. So I drove up there. Uh, yeah. Went into his house, you know. He just had one panel on backwards. Yep, helped him out quick while we were there. Hung the door. Um, took all the garbage out, everything. <laughs> and about 20 minutes later, I go, we're done. What? Yeah, your shelves are in. The door's Like The guy was just static um yeah. but yeah the, the safes come to you with all the hardware and the tools required to put it together uh instruction manual that we wrote mm-hmm. and then had some folks proofread it because mm-hmm. to us we've we've built yeah. a lot well, of them so well, like you say
2: you're an accountant you're not mechanically inclined we're engineers we're not writers so <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I think it's been working good you know we give yeah. you everything you need to to make it happen you know yeah. and. Um, the thing that's helped a
2: lot is we made a youtube video Mm -hmm. that we put out there and it's like it's 11 minutes it's a little dry like i wouldn't watch it just for fun Mm -hmm. but if you're gonna put a safe together it's it's tremendous prep work to watch it yeah and you get to see us step by step this is this is a trick for putting the door on this is start these bolts first tighten these bolts first if you follow that step by step and nowadays with technology you can pause your phone have Mm -hmm. it next to you you'll have no issues really you guys, we should have filmed me trying to put one of those
0: together. That would have been on the Comedy Channel. No, but you could have done it. Any, if you take time to watch the video, yeah. Yeah, but see, that implies I'm going to read the instruction manual and watch a video. So. My wife thinks the biggest waste of paper is providing an instruction manual. For anything a man is going to (laughs) purchase. That's the first thing she said goes in the trash. Right. Why did they throw, why why did they put these manuals in here and they wrap it up throw it in the trash and then cuss and swear because there's three bolts that are in your pocket when you're all done
2: and you think you're finished. It's like, oh, look, they sent three extra bolts. (laughs) No, usually not. Right. That was one of my dad's old jokes is every time you finish a project, you know you did a good job and you got a few bolts left over, <laughs> whether it's rebuilding the engine, a transmission, or an old car.
0: So, are most of your sales to people in the
2: hunting space,
0: shooting space? Is it?
2: I, I don't think so. I think it's been pretty split between, um, you know, sporting shooters and hunters. Um, and it's not really been super focused regionally either because of the way we ship them, we've sold into more than 25 states already. We're excited to try to get all 50 checked off our list. Uh-huh. You're actually the first safes in Montana are here. What? So let's yes. go, let's send some more to Montana. Oh wow. right.
0: I'm, I trust me, I, I know a lot of people who have, I have a lot of firearms, but I know people who have way more than I do. I'm gonna bring them out over here and we're gonna have a little talk. Oh, we we'll just do. give them our number, we'll hook them up. I, I bet you could. I should have brought them here while you guys were in town. So we've,
1: we've sold safes to folks that wanted to put um, their wives' purses in or yeah. mm-hmm. jewelry or um, you name it. It's, it's been interesting. You know, some folks don't want them for guns, yep. um, but so we, we pivot when we go to ship those and we put all solid shelves in them. So we just kind of like your, uh, the ammo locker. Right. Yeah. The because support.
0: the, the two, uh, firearm safes, you have like those u-shells mm-hmm. them with the notches for putting the rifles or shotguns in and then the ammo one has horizontal solid vertical or solid vertical solid shelves arranged in in a vertical format but the shelves are horizontal so i can put whatever i want in there mm-hmm. right and one of the things that's going in there is i have a bunch of old 8 and 16 millimeter footage from My great grandfather's brother, uh, this is a little family story. People think that I just got into the video business. In the 1920s and 30s, my great grandfather and his brother built a lodge in northern Minnesota called Idlewild Resort on North Star Lake. The brother would go to Chicago and make these home, um, show these home movies of people fishing. And that's how they recruited guests who would ride the train up to Duluth. They'd take the old, whatever, you know, 1935 Nash or the Model T or whatever. I don't know what they were driving. Bring them up to, to Grand Rapids and then take them to the resort. So I have all this old footage. Oh. Wow. That I've always worried about. What if we lost that? What right, Great. You know, that's, so, that's incredibly cool. There- so stuff like that in here. We have hard drives upon hard drives of old footage back before we got high tech. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've got boxes and boxes of tape from when my son Matthew and I were filming each other before the the real people started working with us. So I've got a lot of what I'll call valuables that are going to go in there that are related to this business besides just firearms and ammunition. So. It's great. Protect it. <clears throat> don't want to lose it. Yeah. So fire rating. Mm-hmm. How, do, how, how, how does the world determine what a fire rating is? Because you go to buy a safe and everybody's got, you know, this claim and that claim and whatever. And I look at some of those, I'm like, well, with all this stuff you got on the inside, it looks like the inside of this thing would burn with, I mean, they got carpets and all kinds of, you know, petroleum based products in there. That's like, I think that has a the
1: propensity to burn if it gets hot enough, mm-hmm. but so how 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 does it that's the big difference with what we did you know we we looked at it and said we don't want to put wood and carpet and whatnot in our safes,
2: yeah, and like the other unique thing is in gun safe in the gun safe industry, the use of dehumidifiers is so prolific because ninety percent right. of gun safes have sheetrock inside of them, and that's the fire insulator. And it does a good job on the fire test because as sheetrock heats up, it has all this moisture that's trapped during the casting process and all that moisture boils off. Just like when you cook things in a water bath, it never Mm -hmm. gets above 212, right? Right. So all that water's boiling off and that wall is stuck at 212 while that's happening, but all the moisture is going inside the safe onto the contents of the safe. Right. And that happens even a when
0: it's I mean not even in a fire. It retains moisture and so you yep. got to have a dehumidifier in there. Yep. to keep
2: yep, open the door and man, who who painted my guns that color? <laughs> right. And there was and that, that is a big issue for a lot of people and so we decided that because of that and because of the the design criteria of having our panels be movable by two people, Drywall is heavy and holds moisture. We didn't we didn't want to have that inside of our safe. So we have a a patent pending system that has the outer panel. It has a ceramic blanket material between the two layers of steel, and then on the inside, the the cool white interior of your safe actually has a reflective coating on the backside. That's aluminized steel that pushes that heat back away, and that combination provides a safe that's dry and has like almost zero flammable contents in it.
0: Hmm.
2: So that's
0: another reason why you 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 can you can get it at the big box
1: store but you're getting what you pay for oftentimes yeah yeah so we didn't you know invent the blanket that we put in it or invent the aluminized material but we took the technology and the engineering mindset and while they're using this material in this industry and this material in a different industry and you know, kind of looked at everything, took the blinders off, and just tried to take um, ideas from different industries and, and blend them together to make one heck of a product was mm-hmm. was the goal. Yeah. And then we've accomplished that. Uh, we sent our safes out to be uh, tested. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool process. So yeah. we put them in direct flame, you know, 1,200 degree, um, oh. burnt them. And, and we put some thermocouples or had the team put thermocouples in them. And, um, what's a thermocouple? I'm an accountant.
2: Well, from an engineering perspective, it's like two pieces of metal close together. Mm-hmm. And when the temperature changes, it gives small voltage off. From a layman's terms, it's a temperature sensor. Okay. That can handle a lot of heat. You could put them in indirectly in fire and they don't become damaged. Huh.
1: So, so yeah, we passed all the tests. Yeah, we've, uh, direct flame 1200 degrees uh we put the the five thermocouples in and we're able to achieve 30 minutes a little over 30 minutes yeah and
2: like we talked about before um with the drywall construction it does a little better on that testing but it comes with those other drawbacks and we put our five sensors all the way up and down the safe Mm -hmm. and we called it when the first sensor got to 350 and you know, later learned that there's no such thing as a governing body for this fire testing of these safes this large. Hmm. There's a UL fire test, but they're all small safes that can pass that test. Okay. It's a really, really rigorous test, and it becomes more difficult for larger te- larger safes. So the manufacturers all do the testing themselves. So oh, if okay. they don't tell you what the test procedure is, then you don't know. Right. And that was one of our our tenets of when we founded our company was we just wanted to be honest with our vendors, our customers, our potential customers, our partners, so that's why we tell you exactly how we tested it, start to finish. And then you can make up your own conclusions. And if you, if you call us and ask us questions, we'll, we'll shoot you straight. Yeah. Huh. So any space, any size,
0: within reason. Within reason, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, so let's say that I have my walk-in closet. I got this little corner in our walk-in closet. If my wife wanted a modular safe in there for her valuables, I think it's probably 20 inches wide and 35 inches, 40 inches tall. You guys could fit something in there. Absolutely. Really. Just take a picture, give dimensions, and you guys start asking questions. Then. Right. Mm-hmm. Left-hand swing, right-hand swing. See, all the stuff how, how that you no one through. would think of. I, I, I Don't you go to the... Most places, it's like, well, you get left-hand swing. That's what we sell. Not with us. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because yeah. the two safes that you guys put together for me, one's left-hand swing, one's right-hand swing.
2: Yep. And we did one other thing unique is that the two panels that touch, they're mm-hmm. actually bolted together. Yeah. So there's, there's nuts in one safe, well, nuts, and then there's bolts that you put in the other. And um, we can do that to any, any of our safes. We did, we did one for a guy that was 72 by 72, and it was a pair of safes like that, opposite-handed. And when he bolted his whole unit together, it was over 1,400 pounds. <laughs> but he was able to haul every panel down with one helper, yeah. one at a time, into his basement, around a corner, in his bonus room. Yeah. The same thing, his wife said, this is the room you can put your gun safes in, right. dear. That, and figure it out. Yeah. So we were happy to help him figure it out. Because you're not hauling a 1,400-pound gun safe down into
0: most basements that I'm aware of.
2: No, not unless the upstairs has not been built yet and you have a crane.
1: <laughs> hope you never have to move if that's the case. You know, yeah. A lot of folks end up, you know, hoping. So with with your guys' safes,
0: you build it. Say, say someone's got an old house. They're downstairs and around the corner. I mean... Uh, when they built old houses, they must not planned on moving anything in and out of those things. Because they always put a corner in the stairway, it seemed like. right. You guys, you take the panels down there, you build it. If you sell your house and you want to move, you disassemble it and take it with you. Correct. Yep. That's not one of these, well, I just, I had to tear a wall out to get that down there. So I guess
1: they, when I sell my house, you get the safe. Yep. We hear a lot of stories about that. Do yep. you? Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're selling our house and we hope that the people write the safe in. If they don't, it's staying down there anyways. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so.
2: that, that's it. one of the things when, when Charlie and I were researching gun safes, I was asking some folks at work, what do you recommend we buy? And the one guy goes, I don't know. Mine came with my house. And I asked the <laughs> other guy, what do you recommend I buy? And he goes, I don't know. I need to figure that out too, because my current safe is staying in my house when I move and." I was like, that just makes no sense at all. Like, yeah. you don't leave your car behind. You don't leave your <laughs> computer behind.
1: <laughs>
2: well, that's, I think a lot of people, that's a, a,
0: a hindrance about them buying a safe. And when I built my new house uh, in my old house, I needed a safe. But I'm like, oh, I'm going to be moving in a few years and I'll just wait. Because I didn't want the pain and hassle that came with either getting it downstairs or wherever I was going to put it and then moving it and trying to figure out all that. So I kept waiting and kept waiting. And then when I built my new house, I bought a safe that No, it's just, it's like a storage cabinet now because lock doesn't work. (laughs) You know, as my friend Kenny Obermeyer used to say, you need two of those, one to shit on and one to cover it up with. (laughs) 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 But, uh, so have you guys got a chance to hunt at all since you decided you want to be self-employed business owners?
1: Less than I expected, (laughs) but yes, absolutely. (laughs) Still uh, uh still well, do uh,
0: <clears throat> Corey, you were telling me you got an elk hunt plan this year.
2: I do. It's my oh. first time ever with a bull tag. I've been elk hunting three times, but always always on cow hunts because mm-hmm. it's a little easier to draw those tags. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's my first time with a bull tag in my pocket and we're we're excited about it. Where are you going? Uh near Westcliff in Colorado.
0: Colorado. Okay. Yep. So how does
2: that work, Charlie? You you gotta man the shop while
0: he's out elk hunting? Absolutely. Really? So and, how are you going to balance the scales on that? Well, we've got a good guy Dan too, and he's a hunter. uh Oh, that's so, even worse yet. If you're in the hunting space, don't hire employees that hunt. Right. You need you need
1: because that's when they want their time off. Yeah. Get so,
2: your custom safe orders in before November. Yeah. Because Dan, Charlie, and I all will be gone at the same time for a while. That's what we were
1: thinking about. You know, if, if yeah, we still want to make sure we keep our traditional hunts going. Right. Mm-hmm. We can we can give up a few of the other ones to make sure the safe company. Uh, keeps ticking, but Dan and uh, Corey and I were saying, "Well, maybe we just need to shut down the yeah. first week of you know Minnesota deer season. Deer season, yeah, right? it always, opens the first Saturday in November, right? Yeah. So Dan's excited to go hunting. I'm excited. You know, we're all excited, but we we try to keep focused and yeah. keep building. But buy Dan a bow and a tree
0: stand, and say, Dan, here's the deal: you, you, you're a, you're an archery hunter now." <laughs> <laughs> so we all have a little bit different seasons. Yeah. Yep. Keep the ball rolling. So. Yeah. Or you just do what we do, and everybody knows you're never going to get a hold of us this time of year. Because, you know, the the window of time we had for you guys to come out here, I mean, fortunately, your little window of time was three days that I'm in between hunts. Right. So, otherwise, I don't know what we would have Had the needle. Had to have you guys come out and... December or January or something. But by then, the employees would have already hawked that space that was <laughs> be, reserved. They'd, be full
2: of those big mounts we saw.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. They, uh, we we don't need to get into that. There will be so many <laughs> holes in these brand new walls. That's why I, I sent out a memo. No holes in the wall until I approve them. <laughs> because you guys saw the diorama, the Smithsonian diorama in our old office, <laughs> right. Dale you Dale. Dale who filmed you guys yesterday he's he's the owner of that thing and it shows up <laughs> at the office one day while I'm out hunting I come back from a trip I'm like what the hell is this and Dale's like well I moved into a new place and I don't have room for it there uh well I don't have room for it here in the office either it's so big it, it, it takes up the whole entryway so I don't know where he's gonna put it he, he thinks he's gonna put it here <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to charge him rent. But you guys got, Dan, does he bring his taxidermy to the
1: office? Dan doesn't bring his taxidermy.
2: No, Dan. Dan's an adult onset hunter. So I don't know if Dan has any taxidermy yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: you know, people think that I have all kinds of taxidermy. The only big animal that I have that's a shoulder mount is my mountain caribou from British Columbia from 2019. I've shot a lot of elk, none of them. I've never had an elk shoulder mount. All these elk shoulder mounts you see are my son's. My wife, when he shoots something big, she's like, oh, you should take that out to Jerry and get that mounted. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what about mine? Well, uh, (laughs) yeah, so I guess it's just the way it goes. I know my place. You know, I I used to be number four at the house. Her, my son, the dog. Uh, The son and dog were kind of, tied 2a and 2b and then i'm last fortunately i better not say fortunately if she listens they'll get in trouble but the dog passed away this year uh, almost 18 years old so now i moved up a notch now i went from being number four in the pecking order to now i'm number three so moving up I'm moving on up. so uh, But I, that still doesn't get me any taxidermy. No taxidermy. Yeah, everyone would think that, oh, you know, Randy, he's, he, as much as he hunts, he's got to have all this, you know, amazing taxidermy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go over to my shop, it's just nothing but euro mounts on the walls and rafters. She calls it the boneyard. <laughs> and she always says, so she did not grow up in a hunting family. She loves to hunt and fish, but she looks at that stuff and says, you know... In your family, I get it, that's art. But in my family, those are just dead animals. Get them the hell out of here. So, you know what? She's the boss. And that's the way it is. Right? right. Happy wife, happy life. Something like that. But, uh, so, you guys, uh, you, you're going Alcotton, Charlie, you, you're, it's just Minnesota deer for you this year? Yes, Cause some years you guys you and your family come out to Montana, don't you?
1: Yes, uh we had a standing tradition with uh my grandpa and my dad and I we uh came out to Broadus, Montana and went mule deer hunting every year and uh since grandpa's passed away, we've k- kind of tapered back on that and focused more on the the whitetail. Yeah. Minnesota. Minnesota deer hunt. So. Yeah.
0: Is it still southern part of Minnesota shotgun only and litter?
1: Yes. Okay. Because
0: up north where we were at, that's the, that was my dad's. He'd always, So we're driving down the logging road, and my dad would never pull over because he wanted to inspect whoever's coming in the other direction and see if they're local or if they're what he calls city slickers, which anyone south of Highway 2 was considered a city slicker. Highway 2 runs from Grand Forks to Duluth, and we were way up north of that. We were almost into Canada, so he took a lot of pride and being a you know an up north guy so he's a logger so he felt that he owned most of the road if it was a logging road and he he'd never pull over and i'm sure people were thinking this dude in the white and blue gmc what's his deal man and so he'd pull over and he'd light up a cigarette and he'd walk over to talk to whoever it is and if the person was up north deer hunting with a shotgun he instantly, in his mind, was, this guy's a city slicker. Could be the most country farm boy you ever (laughs) saw from southern Minnesota, but in his mind, must be one of these twin cities, folks. And he he would instantly take this uppity. He, He had a great way of being uppity but not being uppity. Like, in his mind, These guys are on my turf. They're strangers. Or if they said the term grouse instead of partridge, instantly you've lost all your street cred with my dad. Or if you had like a really fancy shotgun and some high-dollar dogs, it's like, what a dumbass. You can shoot partridge on a stump. You don't need a $5,000 dog that's going to shit on your carpet and everything else. I mean, my dad was so judgmental about this stuff. So he'd, you know, snuff his cigarette out and he'd jump in the truck and pull over. And then for the next five miles driving down the road, he's telling me his ten-year-old everything he found out about that guy. So he, he was profiling him in a big way. And I don't think people really understand. The, you know, it's kind of like in Montana. The Eastern Montana people really. Have a a critique of the Bozeman. The Bozeman people have earned the critique they get. So I'm <laughs> I'm not, but like you guys being farm guys from Minnesota, you would not deserve the the judgmental treatment my dad would have given you. But because you were from south of Highway Two, that was just the way City it was going to be. Yeah. 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 So, and if you lived in Prior Lake, it's like, you know, they got all those stop signs and one-way streets and crap down there in Prior Lake. I drove through there. That's what my dad would say. I drove through there one time. I wouldn't live there for a million dollars. So it's just kind of the way it, it was back there. So shotgun in Southern Minnesota.
2: You guys archery hunt? No, nope, not yet. I've, yeah. I've kicked it around every year and every year something gets in the way, like building safes or something yeah, gets, in the, safe, gets in the way of picking up archery. gets in the way of everything. Yeah. No, I think we both go north, hunt, rifle hunt. Do you? Yeah. So your dad would be cussing us out proudly south really? the road. How far north? Like um, north of Highway 2? Oh, boy. I'm geographically challenged. Okay. We hunt near a small town of called Canyon, so it's, okay. it's west of Duluth. Yeah. But I, I think could, it's it's very near Highway 2. Yeah, know. you're <laughs> close. <laughs> yeah. He'd probably cut you some yeah. slack. As yeah. long as
0: you didn't show up... With a shotgun with a scope. No, don't have one of those. Clearly a rifle. He's he's been dead for seventeen years
1: now, so it it wouldn't matter. But do you go up north, Charlie? Yes, go up to Royalton. Okay, just straight up Highway Ten, just north of St. Cloud a little ways. Okay,
0: well that's where the big deer are. Anyhow, That's crazy. Why? Why anyone would come to Koochiching County to hunt deer is it's like just because they want to get away. If you want to get away from the world, you go to Kuchiching County, Minnesota. (laughs) Like, if you look at a map of Minnesota, the north central place where there's no cities and just two roads, that's Kuchiching County. And Big Falls, where I grew up, is right in the middle. It's the one spot. I'm sure if you took a radius of which town in Minnesota is the furthest from, you know, 5,000 people, Big falls would win. (laughs) Guarantee you, big falls would win. And, uh, so you guys should go up there if you want to just stumble around and not see any deer.
2: Well, you're right about big deer where Charlie hunts. He, he shoots an eight pointer and it's a monster and I shoot an eight pointer. and It's like my hands. It's the rack, big body deer with rack like that. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, like we're just happy to have places to hunt and carry on family traditions. I got weaseled into my, my wife's family's deer camp I have a similar story with Charlie, hunting with my grandpa. My dad never really got into it too much. And when my grandpa got too old to hunt, my father in law kind of took me in. And, you know, in traditional deer camp, you got to kind of you gotta earn your way in. You don't just mm-hmm. get to, you just don't get to show up. But it's <laughs> been really fun. It's been really fun carrying on those family traditions.
0: Yeah. I, that's one thing I miss about Minnesota are the deer camps. And I don't think, well, maybe in other states they have a similar stuff, but out here, out west in Montana, across the west, you don't have nearly this traditional, okay, we go to deer camp on you know the Thursday before season opens, and we go up there a couple times in the fall, the cut firewood and clear shooting lanes or whatever. Uh, it's as much that culture as it is the hunt.
1: That's I was just going to say that. That's, deer camp is, is a big part of it. That's what makes makes it what it is. You know, it's the, the stories and the, the campfires and the, just all all the camaraderie. It's, it's great. Yeah. It, uh, I wrote an article. There's a a really
0: cool publication called the modern huntsman, uh, Tyler Sharp, Tyler was on the podcast. And when we kind of turned off the mic, he's like, you know, we're doing our next edition is about traditions and cultures. And, he grew up in Northern Minnesota, there's all these deer camp traditions. And I'm like, yeah, there are. And so I started kind of telling him the the tragedy of how it didn't work out that way for my dad because of his, his drinking and, and, you know, a lot of problems. He's like, would you write that story? I'm like, oh man, these, these are a lot of emotions that have been buried for a long time. I don't know if I want to write it, but I wrote it. Uh, and he started a deer camp, I think when I was five or six, uh, and his brother was there, his dad was there and all the guys who worked for him was there. And I can say that was one of those formative times in my life. So I'm six years old. Okay. I'm sitting in this shack with all these old guys and you know how it is in deer camp, you know, there's whiskey drinking and cigar smoking and joke telling and stuff. And when they'd laugh, I'd laugh. I, I didn't you know, I didn't understand <laughs> you it. You right, know and what you But all of them were, you know, making me feel right at home. And I'd never seen my dad in his element like he was then. Hosting his... his he was going to start this big tradition because he grew up on the Iron Range. His dad and his brother still lived on the Iron Range. We're over in Cooch County, you know, 100 miles away. So he invites everybody over. And it is just... I'd never seen my dad in his element, in just the smile, the energy, the joy, like that. And so I'm thinking, man, I want to be a hunter. I, that's, I, that's one of my first memories of me thinking, this is, is it, I want to be a hunter. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the next year, 1971, Minnesota closed its deer season because it was such a hard winter. Can you guys imagine Minnesota deer season being closed for a year? No, not no, no. at all. But I, I did know that yeah.
2: story. That's crazy that that happened. And
0: so that interrupted his deer camp. Uh, then the next year, his dad had a stroke. And that interrupted his deer camp. And I remember the following year, this would have been like 74, was it? Going over to his grand, my grandparents' homestead. Uh, him and his brother helping get everything ready for the winter, you know, cutting firewood for grandma and and all that. And I remember him talking about, are they going to do deer camp? And my uncle Marvin is like, no, I just, I can't. I got to stay here with mom and dad. And so the deer camp never got put back together. And it was really hard on my dad. Uh, And then he got into his drinking phase of life. But he, his big thing was, we would go to everyone else's camp. And they'd invite him in and, you know, try to make him feel welcome. And they're amazing people, Uh, all my friends back there. But it was never quite the feeling of his own deer camp, that sense of belonging that this is my culture, my tradition. And uh, so I wanted it to be like this happily ever after deer camp story. And it wasn't that. Uh, But I love going back there
1: and seeing all the camps. It's, it's just part of the culture. It's the adventure of it getting is. there. It's, it's, that yeah. makes it, you know, and if yeah. it's a successful hunt, yeah. get a deer. I mean, that's great too. Yeah. Um, but like you guys were talking about, okay, it's you, your dad, your grandpa,
0: or it's you, your father-in-law, your, that extended family. That's what these are. And these are small shacks and there'll be 15 people there. I mean, you got to open the door to clear the smoke out. I mean, uh, and if I had a dime for every cribbage game played at a deer <laughs> camp in November, I'd have a lot of money. And uh, it's just part of what it is back there. And I hear that the UP of Michigan has a similar culture of deer camps that New Hampshire and Vermont have similar, upstate New York, uh, northern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish... I. I I want to go back for one of those deer hunts some year. I always end up with a conflict in November. but Let us know. Yeah. I'd love to have you. I always tell my buddies back home, oh, this is the year I'm coming. Well, then we end up, like this year, we had it on the calendar, and then my son draws a Nevada tag, elk tag that took 19 years to draw. It's like, hmm. Can't skip that, huh? Yeah, probably gotta. And so, <laughs> that'd I be don't a cool know. episode, though.
2: That'd be a really cool episode, of Deer Camp one.
0: Yeah, I I think it would. I mean, me and my brother and his daughters and. I mean, I think it would be cool. My brother lives right in the heart of it. He's got better deer hunting right around his house than we ever would have had up in the big woods parts of where Dad used to take us. So if I went back there, we'd probably hunt around his house. Deer camp would be in his living room. I don't know. That works too, as long as it's family. Yeah. My sister-in-law, Michelle, would probably be like, would you guys get out of here, man? You're <laughs> driving me nuts. Probably can't smoke cigars or play cribbage in her living room. Uh, not smoke cigars, yeah. she'll let you play cribbage, yeah. but there's no cigar smoking in, in their place. But so that's, I, I love those kind of stories. I, I always, well, and you guys know you've spent the last day and a half with me, I'm picking your brains and telling big stories about all that kind of stuff. And when you guys share your stories about those times, uh, for me, it's like, oh man, I miss that. I really, really miss that. And, uh, but. I guess I, I got my other hunting, so probably not having a lot of people shedding tears for me here with the amount of hunting. I <laughs> yeah, I think a do, lot of
2: guys this year might trade their deer camp to come out elk hunting with you, Randy. So <laughs> <laughs> you said they're not probably not going to feel too bad for you. Yeah. Well, the version of,
0: of deer camp that I try to have is my son and I try to share a hunt, at least one hunt every year. Yeah. Um, last year with covid we weren't able to we had he lived in oregon and we had oregon elk tags but I had a quarantine thing there where you had to come 14 days in advance and quarantine well me and two camera guys we can't in the heat of our filming season we can't quarantine for 14 days and then spend another week hunting i just so we ate those tags but this year we'll make up for it good nevada elk camp so and actually, I'm I'm really excited about my upcoming elk hunt here in Montana. Uh, when I leave in two days, uh, we're going to archery elk hunting to a place where Matthew shot his first elk, uh, and my brother Jason had come out from Minnesota for that hunt. And it was the year after my dad had died, and uh, it was a ton of fun. It was definitely the most memorable elk hunt I ever had, and. How much of that is because Matthew shot his first elk, and it was a really big elk? How much of that was just me and my son and my brother doing what we you know what you love, what you do at Mm -hmm. camp, right? So nobody really. I mean, you care if you shoot something, but it's not really that important if you shoot something. Some someone will shoot something.
2: So yeah, you still get that adventure when you go on the road. That's what yeah. My grandpa taught me to hunt, and that's what we he loved going on adventures. He never really hunted or fished much around home, which in hindsight seems a little odd to me, but it was always about the adventure. We'd load up in his truck and his homemade trailer and <laughs> head across the country and go prairie dog hunting or fishing or antelope hunting, whatever it might be, but yeah. it was always about the adventure, not about the hunt, Yeah, like you said, and the family.
1: We did that yeah. all the time with grandpa. We'd go up to the 8th Crow Wing um, fishing, and set up camp on the south end of the lake and the honey hole for all the fish was always on the north end of the lake <laughs> and i almost promise you that if we set up camp on the north end of the lake mm-hmm, the honey hole is going to be on the south end of the lake yeah. right so you always uh but i think part of that's the adventure yeah always. I, I mean i've never fished near a boat ramp in my life
0: <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you know, there, there it could be the best fishing there is in the boat ramp but i'm going to the other end of the lake right yeah. i mean that's got to be where the fish are I don't know why that is in our mentality. Yeah. It's also, you know, when I grouse out, I don't. I call it grouse now that I am out here. You know, back home, I got it. I got to be able to switch to the vernacular when I go back home to partridge. Uh, but I never. Uh, I I can't imagine how many grouse I walk by, thinking, "Oh, they're over on those ridges over there." Uh, it's just part of the the. Adventurous spirit, I guess, of the hunters. The, the old song: "The bear went over the mountain to see what he could see." I think it was the hunter went over the mountain to see yeah, what yeah. he could see. That's about it. Yeah. That's how we do it. But you well know, I'm glad you guys are doing this. I mean, you guys hunt, you shoot, you, you have all the credentials of of what it takes to understand what what someone needs in a in a solution for a safe or whatever, you know, whatever valuables I put in there, whether it's firearms, ammo, whatever. And I hope you guys make more safes than you know what to do. But the last year, I can't imagine how difficult it is with supply chain things and costs and materials and everything else. It's It's got to be a challenge running this business, getting it off the ground during... The most difficult time of my lifetime. Right. And I'm 56, so
1: you guys look a little younger than I am. It's, it's been difficult, you yeah. know, it's, uh, because like, like you mentioned before, pictures don't do the product justice. Mm-hmm. You got to put your hands on it and, and feel the quality. Um, and with the pandemic, that really People didn't happen. Couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. We had
2: a whole year of no shows I mean. We met you at our first show, and our second show only lasted four hours until they canceled it. We were already set up, and they said, we're canceled. We'll give your money back. Go home. Whoa. You can pick your stuff up tonight or first thing in the morning. So then uh. we had to adjust our strategy, you know, and go a lot more digital. Mm-hmm. But then supply chain issues, too. Cost of material, lead time on components. Just kind of everything is trucking is short, trying mm-hmm. to get shipments for, to customers, yeah. So it's kind of affecting us from all angles, really. Do you think that having everything
1: locally sourced has helped you guys, though? Absolutely. Was, yeah. That has helped us a lot, that everything is local, right? Everything is made in America. It's um, right yeah. in Shakopee or Prior Lake, and, and we've got great partners, and it's it's worked very, very well. Um, we've had to take some gambles, though, on you know, if material's getting a little short. We're going to you know purchase a few more components than we really think we need yeah. um, because we don't want to be out. Can't, right. can't run dry. But controlling our own destiny uh, through the pandemic and the shortages has been rewarding and challenging at the same time just because um, it's price, it's mm-hmm. delivery. It's difficult, but... If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So. If it was easy, they'd call it golf is what I to <laughs> When I talk about elk hunting,
0: people are like, man, that's hard. I'm like, yeah, if it was easy, they'd call it golf. And then I get all these emails from the golfers like, oh, have you ever golfed? Yeah, I golf. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you got to take yourself way too seriously. <laughs> uh, but I think about, as you say that, Charlie, you, you see in the Wall Street Journal all these huge ships stuck in ports in China and you read all these reports of you know supply chain this supply chain that and you guys because of your decision to make everything right there in minnesota from raw material to design to assembly to welding the whole works you're
1: probably not nearly as exposed to that risk right right, i mean right now we have safes in stock Mm -hmm. at the shop and dan's back at the shop Welding on more right now <laughs> as we speak, you know. Um, but that's that's who we are, what we are, what we want to be. You know, yeah. we don't we don't want somebody to call us and, oh yeah, sorry, twenty uh, week lead time. No, yeah. how does two days or two weeks sound? You know. Yeah. Wow. Um, and and that's the goal. Now yeah. are we setting the bar a little high? Absolutely. But mm. we want to be the best customer service and get people what they want when they want it. Yeah. The highest quality. Yeah. So. Well, and you guys
0: were talking about your approach to life and how you handle relationships and business. You, we were talking about this at dinner last night about, hey, you know, we want to be able to trust people. We want people to be able to trust us. You know, we kind of old school handshake kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, in business, you got to do what you got to do to protect yourself. But you guys were telling some stories about, how people wrote you letters like, man, this is like this personal experience that I don't get in today's world anymore.
2: Yeah. I mean, with every shipment, we send a handwritten thank you letter that goes along with the safe. And, um, and we communicate a lot up front. Um, there's emails, phone calls, and we've probably had 10 or 12 or more, um, customers send us like emails, personalized emails, um, we got a Christmas card in the mail <laughs> from a customer and um, we have a list of customer testimonials on our website and people just, like you said, I think the personal touch is a little bit lost in the modern times and people are impressed when they call and talk to a real person Yeah, and uh, yeah, someone that takes care about them and cares about their issue and wants to help them solve it.
1: Similar to deer camp um, in that it's a family event, right? Yeah. A lot of things that, we look at as far as the steelhead family, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's a family. It's a, um, we're all working hard at it, but when a customer, we feel so engaged with them, right? We've been talking to them about their custom project. Um, on the handwritten letter, oftentimes we go, welcome to the steelhead family. Yeah. Because we feel so connected. We know who they are, what they are. Um, they've invited us effectively into their home, right? right? Um, our product, their product is going to be somewhere in their home. It's going to be with them for forever, forever. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's a big part of who we are. What we are, it's, yeah. it's all about the family.
0: Well, that's cool.
1: I, I I
0: suspect there are people listening to this right now who are thinking, "Is this for real? Is it?" I mean, it, because if you guys would have asked me when I was looking for a safe, and you guys were said you were looking for safe, I was looking for what you guys do. But it didn't exist, or if it existed at the time, I I still don't know of who and what and where I could find that solution. Mm -hmm. Because I, I would say most people reach a point in their life where they realize I need a solution to this problem about my valuables, my firearms, whatever. But every big box store I go to, that doesn't fit. And you guys, to your credit, realize that and here you are steelheadoutdoors.com go there right absolutely right Or do they just pick up the phone and call you? That works too. I I could give them your cell numbers if you wanted that.
2: Well, I'll give you a secret. Um, If you listen to this in the 20 years in the future, I'm not sure if this will still be true. (laughs) But if you call the number at the bottom of the website, it rings to one of our personal cell phones. Really? We take take turns man in the line, but it's one of us. No
1: way. That's that's, that's how we do it. That's how we want to do it.
0: Well, that's why you guys don't get any time to go hunting then.
1: Right? Right. (laughs) Huh. Every once in a while, though, we got to, if we're eating dinner or I'm eating dinner with the family or something and the phone rings, it's, you know, but as soon as dinner's over, we're calling right back. Yeah. So. Wow. That's so cool. Well,
0: I I think, uh, I I know there's a lot of people listening who want that, that firsthand, that hands-on, that feeling like someone's listening to my problem and helping me craft a solution. And there's a ton of value in that and i know you guys so this i'm gonna put my cpa cpa hat on here for the quality of the product you guys produce and the service and the customization you give please don't feel like you gotta discount it and compete with the lowball guy because there's there are solutions for that you know that's like yeah go down to whatever and they they're having the sale this week for 800 bucks you can get you know whatever safe but you guys take it such so many steps beyond that and the customizations that you guys allow for whether it's sizes dimensions colors interior layout block i mean you said, "Yeah, this is." Uh, if I had one piece of input for accountants, anyhow, don't give them so many choices. <laughs> okay, I, you're like, "Well, do you want a digital lock or you want a manual lock? You want this? You want?" That. I, I just said, "Corey, I don't know what what would an accountant need, you know?" And you're like, "Well, I think you'll like this," and I do. So, uh, but I think a lot of people really are seeking that. They we're at a point where the pendulum swung so far to produce everything, lowest cost, lowest cost. guess what? Lowest cost, you get lowest quality, lowest everything else. And now people are realizing the value of a legacy type purchase like this. That's what I view this as. These these safes are, you know, if ever I sell this building, they're going with me.
2: Mm -hmm. And and they can. (laughs) We chose the highest quality components we could at each fork in the road, and all the panels are powder coated. And like you said, you can move it. So, I mean, honestly, for many families, this becomes that family tradition we were talking about earlier with deer camp, where, where your son's probably going to have these safes someday. And maybe mm-hmm. you might even give them to his son down the line long enough because it's now possible for you to just take him with. Yeah. So
0: one thing that I, I forgot to ask this yesterday, the safe I have in my garage, because I can't find any place to put it in my house because it's this is the dimension and this is what you get it seems a lot thinner than the panels
2: on this
1: absolutely yeah they're a lot of the safes are much thinner materials
2: most of the companies they make they make safes that range from like high school gym lockers Mm -hmm. all the way up to you know probably very similar thickness and security features of our safes and everywhere in between mm-hmm. and usually those companies will have safes from 800 to $8000 right and that's why um when you are comparing pricing on safes from any manufacturer you kind of really got to dig into the specs because there's a lot right. more to it than just the size mm-hmm. and then there's also more to it than the weight because like we talked about before that some insulation can be heavier than others. And sometimes you can put two layers of metal instead of one, and then maybe it's less secure than one thick layer of metal. So there's just a lot of different ways to, to solve that problem. So the solutions range, you know, from good to bad and everywhere in between.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm about good solutions, better solutions, best solutions. And maybe it's just at the point in my life I'm at where, you know... Life's too short to buy crappy stuff. And I know some people are like, yeah, it must be nice to say that, Randy, because, uh you know, there was a time in my life where I, and we're doing a story on this. One of my camera guys, Jonathan, pointed out that the first three years of hunting pictures I have in Montana, even elk hunting in the snow, I'm wearing my Converse All Star tennis shoes. <laughs> That's all I could afford. Yeah. And so we all go through that phase where, you know, this is what I can afford. But then we kind of get in a little little better situation, a little better situation. And for me, at this point, it's like I want to buy the right thing for what I need at the time. And so I really appreciate you guys doing that. I certainly did not expect the hands-on come out here and we'll assemble this for you. And I didn't even take you guys fishing. Uh, if you guys would have came in two days, we could have went grouse hunting.
2: Mm, that sounds get, good.
0: But he said this was your window in the
1: calendar. So, yeah. Well, I could maybe call the wife and tell her that Really? the safe's install is delayed. Did you know
0: they ran out of fuel at the Bozeman Airport <laughs> yeah, this yeah, summer? Did you guys read about that? The flights oh. aren't going back tomorrow. I yeah, don't. Honey, I don't think we can get out of here until the 3rd. Well, Charlie said we're going to move headquarters out here, so... Maybe next love, yeah,, We <laughs> oh, might want to run that by the wives. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I here's how I did it. I brought my wife here on our honeymoon. Some people may not know this. How I ended up in Bozeman, Montana. So grew up in Big Falls, Minnesota, went to college in Minneapolis, then went to college at Arizona State for a couple of years, got thrown out of there, and then I finished at Nevada Reno, uh living in Carson City. We came here on our honeymoon in 1989. Cause my wife, I'd got her into fishing and I said, what do you want to do for your honeymoon? I want to go fishing. Okay. So we had this big trip planned through Northern Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. Ohio. Well, we get here and the fishing is really, really good. She's like, well, let's just stay another night. Let's just stay another night. And so pretty soon this is where we spent our honeymoon and we're driving out of town following the, the river and I'm thinking she's sleeping over there in the passenger seat as I'm driving, and she pops up and looks at me. "I'm moving here. You coming with?" <laughs> really, she what she was doing is she was watching the river go by out the window. And oh, here's how stupid I am at age 24. I'm like, "Well, I don't know." You know, we just got married, and you're already trying to tell me what to do. <laughs> Whereas the inside of me is like, "Yes, yes." So we took the huge pay cuts that came with moving to Bozeman. 30 years ago, and we're still here. The rest is history, right? Yeah. And as crazy as real estate prices are here right now, when we moved here in the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, which is, it was pre-Zillow. I mean, Al Gore hadn't even invented the internet in 1990. (laughs) Uh, It was takeover payments, takeover payments, takeover payments. I mean, Bozeman was really struggling. All of Montana was really struggling at that time. And you look at it now, and so many people move in here. Oh, by which... You guys said you'd love to move headquarters here. Sure, the gate's been locked.
2: No one else can come in. No, yeah. no,
0: no there, there There's a gate
1: on the edge of town. Uh, so. We love Minnesota. We'll be in Minnesota. Our families are in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, yeah. But it's it's fun to dream. Sure. No, you
0: guys need to come out sometime when it's hunting season. That'd be great. And uh, we'll go. I don't care what it is. Grouse. Ducks. Deer. What are you? whatever we we're equal opportunity around here we're we're not discriminatory in any way shape or form especially when it comes to hunting uh so love the opportunity yeah well maybe we could come up with some new additions or some uh, new uh add-ons or features or something we'll we'll think of some excuse well
2: some of your employees were eyeing those safes up maybe one of them buys one yeah. We'll deliver it. You notice of what I it. told Dale yesterday, thou shall
0: not covet thy neighbor. Yep. Well, I can't remember what commandment that is, but yep. I told him that because he's petting it like it's his dog or something.
2: That, like. that will work out that kind of deal. If one of those guys buys one, they'll uh, take us fishing or hunting, and that'll there be delivery go. fee. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So anyhow, we're, uh, we're going to wrap
0: this up because I know we all got other things to do in the audience is probably like Randy we don't need to hear any more of your stories if you'd let those guys talk and tell their stories we could listen for a few more hours but uh, steelheadoutdoors.com go there and you guys have said if anyone uses promo code Randy you'll throw in a interior kit is what I call it what, yep. why don't you guys have a different term for it I'm sure
2: yeah so we call it the deluxe interior kit because we're not that creative with naming some of our things <laughs> <laughs> but it comes with a floor mat it comes with two gear panels for the door those are kind of cool they hold uh any kind of third-party molly accessories from pouches bino mm-hmm. harnesses holsters for handguns you name it and also comes with two lights and they're mm-hmm. they're battery rechargeable battery powered lights that are motion activated they're magnetic so they stick anywhere in the safe and they automatically turn on when you open the door cool so there you go folks go to steelheadoutdoors.com
0: Check it out, do your research, and then when you call the number at the bottom, you're going to get to talk to Charlie or Corey from what they're telling me. Just don't call them when they're sitting in their deer stand. What, (laughs) What do you do if you're in your deer stand? You just forward it to cory forward it to cory yeah okay <laughs> uh, but do that i if you are in the market and looking for a serious solution to these kind of things for your valuables for your firearms for the safety and protection of your family uh i can't emphasize enough how impressed i am with this solution it's it's taken me a long time to find you guys Thank goodness they didn't cancel Pheasant Fest last year with the pandemic, or we wouldn't we wouldn't be sitting here having this discussion, right? So I'm trying to remember how that happened. Uh, I, I saw you guys had a booth there. I didn't know what the hell you guys were. I thought you were a bunch of fishermen or something.
2: Charlie came over and grabbed you.
0: Yeah, and drugged
1: me over there. Said so yeah. you got to come check this out, Randy.
0: Yeah, and you guys, you guys had a well well rehearsed elevator speech, man. I showed up, and I think I told you guys this at dinner last night. I'm like, these guys are dialed in. This isn't, you you guys said, oh, we're just starting, you know, We da-da-da. And most businesses that are just starting aren't as dialed as you guys were. And the reason we're here a year and a half later is I told you guys, well, we try to help three startup businesses every year. Uh, And we were full for 2020. But if you stay with me, maybe I can, you know, maybe we can help you guys in 2021. Uh, And so here we are. But you can imagine how many requests we get from small startups who are like, how do we get on your list? And there is a kind of, I'll call it a filtering criteria of me getting to have a discussion with them and do they, do they seem to have a business plan? Do they understand what owning a business is about da 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 because if we're gonna you know feel that our job or part of our commitment to small business is helping, we wanna make sure there is there's dialed in as they can be and and you guys met that criteria so sorry, it took a year before we could
1: find another space in the in we the slot. Appreciate so. the opportunity and your new facility here is just beautiful and oh, the safes you. fit in great with the, all yeah. the color selections and everything. It just it's yeah.
0: looks awesome. Well, appreciate you guys coming out and doing that. Too. the color fit was purely by accident. <laughs> <laughs> <Looks> <laughs> thank, great. Thanks to my wife and Kira the architect. That's and they did, they hadn't even talked to each other. It just that's how it worked out. So it's great. But well, thanks so much, guys. Thank you, uh, thank you. The steelheadoutdoors.com, right? Yep. Go there, folks. Sick. You won't regret it. I'm about ready to launch on an elk hunt here in 48 hours. So the next podcast might be a big elk hunting story, or it might be the story of everything that went wrong. Can't wait. Either way, that's hunting, right? Whether it's a train wreck or absolute victory, it's still a great hunting story usually. So Well, thanks guys. Appreciate Thank you. all your work. Keep doing great products and uh, keep making them in the United States. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Thanks folks. Appreciate you being here.
1: When the sun